Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Poetics of Passion by Delphine Ross. This was published in 2023 and is the first in the Muses of Scandal series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary advanced reader copy for this review. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a, so I want to let everyone know before we go in, this is a debut novel. This is Delphine Ross's first book ever. And it's, she's an indie author, right? Yeah, kind of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct. So cool. that's really it. That's all the background I have about this one. <laughs> so the book jacket. A secret identity means secret desires and not-so-secret scandals. Musa Bartham has a secret. To support her destitute family after her father's disappearance, she's been publishing steamy poetry under the pen name of Felicity Vita. As Felicity Vita, Musa's scandalous books have won legions of devoted fans, including an anonymous gentleman pen pal whose letters spark unruly desires she would never ever succumb to in her orderly daily life. But when Musa's cherished younger sister Angela is offered sponsorship by their aristocratic great-aunt for an advantageous marriage, Musa realizes her dangerous double life as Felicity must come to an end. Instead, she'll write books for children. Sebastian Atkinson is a passionate artist reduced to working nights as a printer. Though Seb is infuriated by the prim yet alluring young woman who corners him into illustrating her insipid children's book, he can't turn Musa away. He suspects she may be Felicity Vita, the seductive poetess with whom he's been exchanging love letters for the past year. Egged on by his best friend, an ambitious journalist desperate for a break, Seb seeks to unmask Musa's secret identity. But the closer Seb comes to the truth, the more Musa entices him, and the more Musa finds Seb curiously attractive and even more curiously familiar. Could he have anything to do with her anonymous gentleman pen pal? Unable to resist each other, the two shift from enemies to lovers just as their love letters are stolen, setting Angela's future at risk. As Seb and Musa frantically come together to contain the damage before it's too late. It's uncertain whose hearts and lives will be broken amid the most sensational scandal of all. I would say this is a good book jacket except for the final paragraph. Mm-hmm. Because it makes it seem like, so first of all, it's inaccurate. And second of all, they don't come together to solve anything. I agree. Uh, but otherwise, fine. The last paragraph would have just stro- sh- struck it. Struck, struck it. Struck it. Struck it from the record. As usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and used that number as the word count to write our own summaries. And this episode, that number is 27. I'll go first. Woman who has to write anonymously to save her family falls for a dude via fan mail who is nothing like that oaf she met at work. Can't be the same person ever. This is just you've got mail. I mean, yeah. Okay, here's mine. Musa and Sebastian are in love, but don't know it. Anonymous letters between an erotic poetess and an admirer are great, but are they actually compatible in real life? 
Question mark. Question mark. The, look, the book jacket didn't have a rhetorical question. I needed to provide one. I appreciate that. I think this is in the text. I don't really think it's a spoiler. She's obviously got a pen name and she's writing the letters under her pen name. Mm-hmm. He just decides to use a fake name. I mean, he is writing to an erotic poet. So I kind of get it. Like, I kind of understand why he was. I just, I would have, like, wanted it minor change. Like, instead of writing as Sebastian Sebastian Atkinson, like, use his middle name. Yeah. Well, he did. It's his middle name and his mother's maiden name. Right. But it just felt a little too deliberate, like, the whole name. Or, like, have it be a nickname. I just, the degree of anonymity felt a little bit convenient. I mean, it was certainly convenient, but it didn't piss me off. (laughs) It did not. I loved it, actually. It didn't piss me off. It was more just like a... I know when this trope has been used in other contexts where I've seen it, it'll be like, you know, Henry James writes his letters as Harry instead of Henry. Like, it's just, it's a little bit less deliberately misleading. I thought it was an interesting choice that he just totally made up a name. Okay. One of the things I loved about this book, Lane, is that we have one of our, we haven't had one recently. We have a Gentleman Jackson's workout. Yeah. The Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit Workout for the Starving Artist. Because he does not have money to go to the gym like in Harper St. George's books. Okay. He's a starving artist. He rents an attic where he paints, and in the corner of the attic, he has a punching bag. <laughs> and my other favorite part was when his friend was like, oh my god, you're so torn up over this author refusing to meet you in person. Why don't you, like, work it out? And he's like, that's all I've been doing. I'm solid muscle right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, he's like I, haven't, I haven't slept. I've eaten some food, and I've just, like, punched this bag. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I was, I... Uh, that was early on in the book lane. And I think at that moment I was like, I think I'm really going to like this book unless she fucks it up majorly. And to me, she did not fuck it up. I agree. Okay. Uh, Tropes. This is an epistolary romance. Yes. So, I mean, it, it, it is, it's not epistolary in the sense that we are reading their romance through their letters Mm -hmm. but they have fallen in love through these anonymous letters and we do see several of the letters on the page right so it's the epistolary romance sort of happened before the events of the book yes yes and i i thought it was a good choice me too i I really enjoyed their dynamic in person being so new and tentative contrasted with these really established conversations happening on the page. I liked it. I liked it. So I have seen this book described as enemies to lovers, but I don't think it quite meets that. They're not enemies. Right. They have a very bad first impression. And they don't like each other. Right. But it's... And even the second impression's a little rough, but they're very quickly allied. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're working together. They don't like each other, but they recognize that the other one is talented or or has something that the other one is missing. And that very quickly becomes like. Correct. It does. 
um, which is, I also like a lot. Definitely. Let's see. And I said it's epistolary romance. We've already established these are anonymous letters. Absolutely. Um, building onto that, there's a little bit of hurt comfort that mm -hmm. leads to the moment when they go from distrustful collaborators to fond of one another. Mm -hmm. um, they are both anything for my family parentified. He's a sad, tragic orphan, and she's got a mother who kind of disappeared into herself after her father went missing. Mm -hmm. um, so they both are sort of the adult head of the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so we have a little bit of like anything for my sister on both sides. Yes. And she very much is bearing the sins of her parents. Mm -hmm. So her place in society is far more tenuous than her rank would suggest because her parents were such a scandalous pair. Their children bear that reputation. Yeah. Um, any other tropes you want to point out before we get into the meat of the discussion? There's a little bit of the first time they met, not only was there a bad first impression, but like he was hungover and they were stuck in the rain. So neither of them appreciated how attractive the other was. Uh -huh. so the first time they see each other not hungover and drenched is a little bit of like a <gasps> moment. They're both like, oh, wait, this is the person I had such a bad impression of. And I want to be clear, the secret identity stuff gets a little bit more intense than just anonymous letters implies. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things when he agrees to work with Musa, one of the things he barters is he wants to meet Felicity. Mm -hmm. And Musa is like, oh, you know, she's very reclusive. So there's a very, it's a little bit more duplicitous in person. Not yeah. It's not just that these letters are um, like that they don't realize the other one is the person they've been writing to, but she's also sort of living a double life. And because this erotic poetry was scandalous and her family is now trying to legitimize themselves beyond the scandal, there's the threat looming that if like someone discovers her secret identity, it could damage their reputations, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I think mm -hmm. is a drone. Most specifically hers. Right, but also her siblings. Uh, and and her siblings, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's, I mean, so so they won't, I won't damage Sebastian's reputation. Right, right, right. But she's afraid for her family. Yes. If it all yes. gets out. So and I think that is a trope. We've seen a couple of times, like, if they found out that this direct, like, scientist was really a woman or the writer of these... I don't know, pamphlets for political activism was really a woman or the scandalous text is a woman. And we've got that here in spades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I thought was interesting about this book is that the entire prologue is about her parents. Yes. So you open it up and you're like, oh, okay, is this book going to take place in Venice? Like, what's going to happen with this book? I appreciate the prologue for what it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it really fit the book. I almost wish it had been expanded upon and been a prequel novella. Me too. I agree with you. I, I completely understand why Delphine Ross didn't want to cut this prologue because the first line is like, it also kiss. gives a lot of context for why Musa is the way she is, not just mm -hmm. the present circumstances, but like, She's a little bit like love is overrated because mm -hmm. she's seen it wreak a lot of havoc in her parents' lives, even though their marriage was happy. Right. So, uh, so I appreciate it 
for being there. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you. I wish it had been expanded and been a prequel novella, to be mm-hmm. completely honest. Like, I would read it if if she, if she Delphine Russ does decide to expand it. I would totally read it. I'd be interested in it. It's just, it's clearly a prologue for the series more than a prologue to this story. Yes. Yes. Agreed. So I just want to point that out. When I first read the book, I was like, okay, I read the prologue. And then I got into the book and I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I ended up really liking this book a lot. Yes. Uh, I just, I just want to let you know that after you, like, you're going to pick it up and be like, whoa, this is a pretty scandalous. And you're like, oh, it's actually not that scandalous. Well, it's funny. The other book we really liked recently um, about the Viennese spy and the hotel owner, Mm -hmm. the prologue was similarly about her parents and was terrible and i don't feel bad saying that because we like the book the prologue was just like a hot mess express it wasn't even the prologue that was the first chapter of that book. it was basically a prologue it was a hot mess express correct so funny that it was also about like parents meeting in a ballroom yeah and this was like done so well and the language was so evocative and that language was so dry yes it's not the writing itself yeah yeah no and again we ended up really liking that book so i'm not i don't feel bad recalling it but like yeah it was just really really well done it was just not a prologue to this book yes yeah okay so they meet um of course anytime you have an epistolary like an anonymous correspondence there is an element of there has to be an element of coincidence that these people meet right? right so I think she does a pretty good job with the coincidence because he is actually going to look for Felicity in the logical place. And he ends up finding Felicity in Mm -hmm. Musa, like in the logical place. So I was like, I was actually totally fine for giving this coincidence. Yeah, it's also... They're both working in, like, the publishing sphere. Mm-hmm. Her as an author to this small independent press and him within printmaking. So, yeah, while it's a coincidence that they met, it's not like he's an earl and she's a shop girl and they bump into each other on the street. Their realities are in the same orbit. Yes. Um. So one of the things I also really liked about this book is, this is glossed over in the book jacket. It's not a spoiler. It's just you know, doesn't fit the book jacket. It's that she doesn't necessarily want to abandon her identity as Felicity Vita. Right. She knows it makes her plenty of money. She's been anonymous this entire time, like for years. Right. Like three to five years. Yes. And it turns out that the publisher, the publishing house has been bought by a prudish American... Who's mm-hmm. like, um, not only can you not publish these books anymore, you need to burn all of the ones that we own. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, it was like, I know it's a little over the top and a little bit satirical, but I was like, I kind of believe it. Yeah. She, I, I thought it was interesting that like this choice to pivot to children's literature was not, it was, it was purely financial. Purely. Yeah, absolutely. She was like, I can write a kid's book. Yeah. And then paired with her sister's planned debut and 
all that that entails, she realizes that putting her real name on children's books that are moral and upstanding may contribute to the cause of, like, legitimizing the family name further. Yeah, she's like, this is going to help. This is going to help the family get back on its feet. Like, if I do this, then people are going to be like, oh, they're they're a moral family after all. Like, the children have all of this moral fortitude the parents lacked. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I liked that a lot. What did you think about Sebastian making a condition of doing the illustrations that he meet Felicity? It was so early in the book. You were fine. And it was the thing that was clearly driving him, and he had that leverage in that moment. I was fine with it. Of course it was driving him. I mean, that's what the whole reason he's, like, buff. Yeah. I still can't get over it. I love it. <laughs> no, it was really, really... I, this book was cute. Mm-hmm. So cute. That said, I did think the sex dream about her that opens the book contrasted with the real moment was a little bit ham-fisted. The real moment when he actually is with her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Well, let's talk, let's hold off until sexiness. Yes. I'm just saying, like, in terms of the things that he does for the idea of Felicity, Mm -hmm. negotiating to meet her in person was not annoying to me. Okay, fair. Uh, One of the other things I really liked is that in the beginning, there is very much like a, like a clash, right? They, They meet each other and he's like, she's uptight. And she's like, oh, God, he's one of those artists who just is, like, drunk all the time. He's talented, but he came to the publisher's office, like, drunk. Right. You know? In the morning. In the morning. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not even hungover yet. He's, like, still drunk from his night. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I really liked that as they got to know each other, they realized that they had a lot of common. Yes. Which... I get it. Like, this is a romance. This is what romances are supposed to do. But so few romances actually do that. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's based on physical attraction or, you know, Proximity. admiration, things like that. And I really did feel like they were compatible outside of the bedroom. I, I agree. I really liked it. I did think there was a little bit lacking in the character development perspective for both of them. Mm-hmm. But I really do think someone as like the origin story of how she became an erotic poetess, I wish had been like a little bit more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Like, cause she has real talent. You're supposed to believe. And like the origin story of honing that talent, I didn't think was super believable. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you that, like, they were very compatible and they had a very similar outlook on life. I wish that both of them in the before the book had been a little bit more complexly imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I guess I just really liked that they took their time to get to know each other. Yes. And it was through their acquaintance and, like, actually feeling like the other person was compatible. I really liked it. I liked how quickly he became suspicious of her. 
Mm-hmm. Because he had information that she and Felicity worked for the same publisher. Yep. Could match up what he knew of her from this, where she takes a little bit longer to catch on because all she knows about this dude she's been writing is he's a dude somewhere in England. Like she doesn't yep. have the context that like to potentially match the story with the person. Yes. I, that was something I really appreciated about the book as well. Yes. Is that uh, again, a lot of these books where they know each other in some context, but they don't know who the other person is. Mm-hmm. They will feel this like metaphysical connection. There's something familiar about this person, but it's so weird. It's so odd. But there's nothing like truly to tell you what the right or the flip side. They'll say like the use of one word. Yes. Is what like trips it off. And for him, it's a series of things that Mm -hmm. make him suspicious. But several things that happen. And then he's like, he goes back and he like looks through it for clues. He also, okay, so he works for a paper. He works mm. for a newspaper, and one of his best friends is a journalist. This is in the book jacket. It's not a surprise. I really liked, actually, how that whole situation worked out. Yeah. I I really liked it. It reminded me of uh, Never Judge a Lady by Her Cover. The Sarah McLean book where Chase, I don't want to give anything away here, but in that book. Who are the two main characters? There's a journalist and there's a gaming hell owner. Yes. Thank you. So it reminded me of that book because in that book I was like, oh, the heroine has a secret Mm -hmm. and the hero is a journalist. Uh So the conflict is going, is obviously to me, was going to be his journalistic instincts. Of that like Georgiana's book, right? Yes. Yeah. Of uncovering this scandal or this secret mm-hmm. and like either publishing it or not publishing it or like what's it going to be? That FYI is not the plot of that book. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought the plot of that book was going to be. Right. In this book, Sebastian is not a journalist, but he has a best friend who is. And there are really complex not really complex, but there is relatively complex exploration of like journalistic ethics. Yes. What does it mean? Um, like, is the truth, does the truth trump everything? I don't right. know. I, I I really liked it. I liked the evolution of Jonathan, his friend as well. Yes. Um, and I liked, I don't know if I approved of Sebastian's choices, but I didn't hate them. I, it was complex and yeah. food for thought. Yep, exactly, exactly. So I liked it a lot. Let's see. Shall we move on to content warnings? Is there I think anything so. else you wanted to discuss? No? Uh, we already talked about um, this parentification. Yes. On both of their sides. So he's the head of the family. She's not the titular head of the family, but she has been supporting her family. So all of her brothers and sisters and her mother, again, for like five years. And there's some financial insecurity specifically tied up in medical issues that I think is, like, realistic, but tough. hmm And then her mother suffers from depression. Yes. So, you know. Right. Anything else? I mean, I guess, like, a ve- like look, this is historical romance. And there are women who have sex outside of marriage. There's some slut shaming. 
Oh, yeah. I, like, I'm like, is this a content now? warning? If you're going to pick up historical romance, it's like you have to, it's just part of the contract. <laughs> right. You sign a contract when you start a historical romance, and that contract is you're going to read about sex, sex, about slut shaming. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Okay, let's talk about sexiness lane. Yeah. I liked them together. I thought they were adorable. Like you said, I I bought the two of them together. I thought the when and the how of their actual like physical romance was a little bit like staccato. Yeah. Yeah. It's a I... weird word, but like it didn't feel like an organic development. Yes. It felt like this has to happen here. Yes. I totally agree with you. There are certain books that I read, and I've talked. We've talked about a couple of them, where you feel like there are certain books by certain authors where there gets to a point, and I think the editor's like, "Hey, you have to put a sex scene in this book. Like, this is a historical romance. Your readers expect a sex scene, and so the author's like, "Oh, fine, I'll put one in." I'm not saying that's what happened here. But I I do feel like this is where you fe- get the sense that she's a debut author. Because she's like, where do I put it in? How do I fit this in? I just think these two characters, given their conflicts, given the way that they approached one another, it would have made sense for it to be a lot slower progressing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I bought that they were into each other. I bought the lust. But I, I, I just thought the way the physical aspect of their romance developed could have been, a lo- these characters should have been a lot slower mm-hmm. and a lot more prompted by like desperate lust more yeah. than deliberate, ch- like premeditated choices. Yes. On on the other hand, I mean, I do appreciate that she gave the agency specifically to Musa. Yes. Cause Musa's like, you know what? Like I want to do this and I'm going to do it on my terms. It wasn't bad. It was just that I went, oh, wow, really? Really? Okay. Okay. Okay, because I get some, girl. And obviously the fact that they are, like, secret identity stuff mm-hmm. um, means that there's a lot, there's a lot, not a lot of honesty. Yes. So the wider picture when they're hooking up, and that is never my face. Yeah. There's a very interesting scene. this is about the first sex scene it could technically be a spoiler do you think we should wait until after spoiler tag well we can just do it now so thanks so much for listening if you don't want to hear a thing but now we're going to say a thing that's maybe a spoiler okay so about their first sex scene she goes to basically she's like i'm never going to have sex i want to have sex like real bad with sebastian specifically and because i'm gonna have to be prim and proper proper starting like two weeks ago so i might as well do it now just gotta do it so she goes to see him and she's like i'm felicity vita she's not confessing to him that that's who she is she's basically just like i know you're in love with felicity and i'm gonna pretend like i'm felicity so i want you to call me felicity this is another one of those things so tessa dare does this on, on a few occasions and it's extremely sexy yeah. and it's masquerading as yourself right so it's like role-playing but as yourself mm-hmm. and that's what she's doing she's role-playing as her alternate identity so it's 
she is, she's like, I'm going to let the id out, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to let my subconscious desires just come out. And it's my alternate identity of Felicity who couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was complex, like kind of psychologically. I don't know if it fit in the moment when it appeared in the book, but in and of itself, I thought it was a really interesting conceit. Execution, not concept. Like, agree. I, I was, I've seen the, I'm going to pretend to be me and own it. Mm-hmm. That's not how it was presented here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and I mean, I ended up she's... overthinking when I should have just been like, hey, this is sexy. Yeah. Well, she's not pretending to be her. That's the thing. Right. She's pretending to not be her by pretending that she's her. So it adds, a, it adds another layer. Right. It, was, it was a little bit like, okay, oh, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> whatever makes you happy. Yeah, and then the final scene, I will say, points for location and timing. Setting yes. gets all the points. I just wanted a little more foreplay because basically she's like drags Sebastian out of the ball into a library and she's like, put it in me now. <laughs> And he's like, really? Are you sure? And she's like, do it. (laughs) Again. Looking forward to the next book from this author. The the fact that this is a debut, incredibly impressed. Yes. Um, Yes. I told Lane about this a couple days ago. I'm just like incredibly excited about the next book in the series because of who it is and the synopsis. Like, (laughs) seriously, I'm just like, oh, my God, this book is going to be. And this book impressed me so much that I'm like, okay, like sophomore effort, it's going to be even better than this one. I'm I'm looking, I think the roughest edges were in the sexiness. Yeah. And so I I am looking forward to the second attempt. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So anyway, I highly recommend this book. It's very cute. It's very fun. It it was a riot. I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you stuck through the spoiler section, we appreciate you. (laughs) 